scroll through Facebook for a moment, and I saw one of the posts from one of our sisters in church. Miss Tamika Collier, where, where are you? Tamika Collier, are you? There you are. Uh, I saw something you put on Facebook this morning, and that is your son Isaiah caught three touchdowns and had 283 yards receiving when Independence played Brentwood. When your mama is posting your stats, now she did not post whether they won the game or not, but it didn't matter. Oh, they won. Amen. They won. You, you, you forgot all about that. My boy caught some passes. Amen. Let's give it up for Isaiah, y'all. Amen. That's amazing. And last Tuesday, as you were praying, we went to City Hall last week for the resolution for the fuller story uh, to be voted upon as it pertains to having representation in the square of downtown Franklin that for 119 years, only one aspect of the story of the Civil War was told. But as of last Tuesday, it was a vote unanimously that the fuller story would be included in the square of Franklin, Tennessee. Amen. That's huge. That is huge. Hallelujah. It's a new day. Representation matters. The full story matters. So tomorrow, we'll meet with the city planner to begin discussing uh, when we'll be able to put up the statue of a United States colored troop soldier in downtown. So we'll have that meeting tomorrow. So we thank God for those of you who were able to come out and above all, those of you who were able to pray with us. Um, also, just want to let you know that Wednesday nights are awesome. If you have not yet attended, come on out with us. The small groups are amazing. We're going through the book, The Bait of Satan, and uh, we're all learning about offenses and how the enemy works when we get offended and the pride and the bitterness that can come out of those kind of encounters that we all have with one another. So we're getting the tools, we're getting the encouragement, we're getting the accountability that we need. Uh, so show up at 6 o'clock if you can, and if you can, bring some food with you, amen. Uh, every week we got to pray and ask God to multiply it. So come on, bring something with you and uh, join us this Wednesday. Now, Pastor Jerry is going to meet with college students. Now, um, I don't know how many college students we have here today, but if you are a college student and you have been attending Strong Tower or you just started, would you just stand up? If you're a college student, would you stand up? College students. Do we have any? College students, y'all clapping, there's one. Is there another? Is there another? We only got one college student today? Two. Two. Hey, Raven. So dig this now. Dig this. Now, this is Family Sunday, so th there's no children's ministry. So I, I, I understood that many of the couples with children wouldn't be here today, thinking that it was just too much work. But I didn't expect the college students to duck out today. Now listen to this. They might just miss a blessing. Because God put it on Pastor Jerry's heart. He just want to bless the college students. 
And one way that he knows y'all need a blessing is that every now and then you need something good to eat. Amen. So he wants to meet with y'all simply so that he can take y'all to lunch one coming Sunday. All right. He just, just wants to take y'all to lunch. That's all he want to do with you. That's all he want to do. Now, Pastor Jerry, I saw two college students stand. If when you get up there and there's 10, I'm not talking about that you used to go to college. But we're going to, you know, keep doing that because we want to be an encouragement. We know that it's not easy. Uh, my daughter's in Chattanooga, and she's visiting churches. Y yes, mm -hmm. University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. We got, we got alumni here. And uh, she visits churches, and I just pray that they will love on my baby when she goes to those churches. Uh, because, you know, she's kind of, what, what, what is that when you're kind of shy? What, what is that? In introvert, you know? And, uh, and so I hope she raises her hand and gets a bag and, and all that stuff. Amen. Love on my baby out there in Chattanooga, y'all. Amen. And, and, and my wife is out in California with her sister, Alina. They're in Napa Valley, wine country. Pray that the sister comes back tonight. She's having a good time. Went to a Brian McKnight concert. Wait, no, no, no. She only knows one Brian McKnight song. I'm like, what, what? But she was talking about how good his voice was, you know. Okay, all right, baby. They're having a good time. They come back tonight. Oh, boy, let's see what else is going on. As uh, Brother Isaiah said, the rescue mission was awesome, seeing our students serve. Um, you grow when you serve. You grow when you give. And I'm just proud of them. Some of our students were even at a dance rehearsal earlier in that day because they're going to be dancing at another church. They're also going to be dancing and ministering through dance here. And they left that and went to the National Rescue Mission working on their Saturday, as uh, Pastor Isaiah said, making themselves available. And speaking of that, next month, you guys, is uh, what is known as Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, this is what I want you to do. Okay, I want you to listen to me on this. Now, um, I have always been shown so much love from the congregation from day one, year one, 23 years now. And Pastor Appreciation Month, I've gotten cards from you all, gifts from you, words of encouragement, notes, all kinds of things. And, and I am so grateful. My cup is full and it's overflowing. But this is what I want you to do this year. This next Pastor's Appreciation Month, next month, is this is what I want you to do. I want you to bless the other leaders that we have in the church. And this is what I mean by this. I am going to make four boxes. And I'm going to place them in the foyer. And they're going to be out here for the month of October. There's going to be a box for Isaiah, our student minister. There's going to be a box for Felicia our children's minister. There's going to be a box for Jewel, our worship leader, and a box for Pastor Jerry, our executive pastor. Each one of these boxes will be out there with their names on them. And what I want you to do is throughout the month of October, one of those Sundays, you deposit a gift, a letter, a card in those boxes for these ministers. Will you do that, Strong Tower Bible Church? Amen. That's right. I want you to bless them, okay? I want you to bless them. Uh, they watch for your soul just as much as I do. 
They feed your soul and your children's soul just as much as I do. And we want to make sure we take this time to be intentional, to say thank you to each and every one of them. Put something in each box if you want, but especially in the box that directly affects and impacts your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I love the people that I get the privilege of working with. Such a joy. I love each and every one of them. And uh, man, and, and I know you do too. So let's show them our appreciation. Now, turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for how blessed we are. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to be a blessing. And thank you that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you, Lord, for the ministers you have placed in this church. Thank you, Lord, for how they have a heart for your people. Thank you, Lord, for how they are making disciples and equipping our body from the youngest to the oldest. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity now to come to your word and learn about another minister named Paul and a journey you took him on where you took him up to the third heaven. Lord, would you teach us something today that we can take with us that will help us weather the challenges and the storms we all face, that we'll get a glimpse of heaven today so that it would give us encouragement in the nasty here and now. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is there anybody here who believes that where you are going is better than where you are? Don't fool me now. Is there anybody here who believes that where I'm going, where you're going, is better than where you are right now. You see, when where we are going is better than where we are, we can endure where we are because of where we're going. Oh, I know that was heavy. I'm going to say it one more time. When we are, excuse me, when we are where we are, I'm not getting it right. I'm messing it up. When where we are, going is better than where we are. We can endure where we are because of where we are going. A good heavenly perspective keeps earth in the right perspective. There it is. I said that right. A good heavenly perspective keeps earth in the right perspective because earth is not home. Heaven is home. And dig this, earth is not eternal. Heaven is eternal. Paul said, I don't spend my time looking at the things that are seen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. We haven't seen heaven yet, but it's eternal. We see the world because we live in a realm where the five senses can dictate to us. But if we're not careful, we're tempted to think that what we see is all there is. 
but we need to be reminded that what we see is not all there is, and what we see is temporal just as much as it can be painful, just as much as what we see can be a distraction to what's most important. What's most important is the spiritual, the unseen, the eternal. Oh, one of my favorite groups, and I'm not ashamed to say this, is New Edition. And New Edition has a song that says, a little bit of love is all it takes. A little bit of love goes a long, long way. And I'm here to remix that to say, a little bit of heaven is all it takes. A little bit of heaven goes a long, long way. If we can get just a glimpse of heaven, it will help us in the nasty here and now. What do you mean by that? Remember when Stephen was preaching. And he was preaching to his own people, the Hebrews, and he gave them the history of his people and how God had a redemptive plan to bring the Messiah into the world through them. But he went on to say, y'all are stiff-necked, just like your parents were. And you always resist the Holy Spirit. And the proof that you're resisting the Holy Spirit is that you're resisting the anointed one, the Messiah, who has come. And he went on to preach, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And rather than being cut and repenting, they were cut and they rebelled. And they picked up stones, and they began to stone Stephen after preaching. And the Bible says that as the stones were coming at him, he looked up, and the Bible says he saw heaven opened. And not only was heaven opened during that time of intense pain and persecution, the Bible says he saw Jesus who went up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is now standing in heaven. And he said, as the rocks were coming, he says, look, I see heaven open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. And with that, they covered their ears even more and they gnashed at him and they killed him. And as he was dying, he said, Father, don't lay this charge against them. The way he was able to endure the stones, the way he was able to work through the adversity and the pain was because God gave him a glimpse of heaven that made everything all right. It didn't stop the persecution. It didn't stop the murder, but it made it go down a little bit better, even to the point where he could say, Father, forgive the people who are killing me. Oh, it sounds like Jesus, what he said on the cross, because just a little glimpse of heaven can change and affect and make your earthly experience a whole lot better. By way of a vision, Paul went up to heaven. We've been in this now for a month. And based on what he experienced up there, he believed God's grace was enough to keep him down here. He went up to heaven and he came back down. And as we'll see, he didn't even talk about his experience there. Because of the weight of this revelation, because not many people can say they've experienced that, God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble so he wouldn't be exalted because of all these visions and revelations, especially this one of being caught up to the third heaven. 
So it's kind of like seeing a big hot air balloon. It has the capacity to go up into the heavens, but it's weighted down with sandbags to keep it on the ground. And God didn't want Paul to get a big head because of where he had been, so he allowed a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. And the thorn in the flesh, some have debated, was it an eye problem that he had, a physical problem called ophthalmalia, or was it when you trace the word thorn in sides, thorn in the flesh in the Old Testament, it always spoke of the enemy surrounding the Israelites and piercing them. And so you could look at it as a, it was a physical thorn or it was the people in Corinth who were acting like enemies instead of supporters and they were thorns in his side or they worked on his last nerve. And he prayed three times that God would take this messenger of Satan away from him. And each time God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because of where you've been, you know that I have enough to give you what you need right now. My grace. And so Paul adjusted his perspective and said, I delight in persecutions and infirmities and in pain and in uh, uh, insults. Why? Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong because God's grace rests upon me. So thank you for this thorn because it lets me know that you're present in my life, oh God, with your grace. Because what I'm going through right now can't be compared to the glory that I experienced in the third heaven. Oh, it hurts now, but it's going to be better soon. So it helps me deal with earth now because I know what I'm going to. Believers, when you have just a little glimpse of heaven, it gives you the greater capacity to endure the stuff and the junk that we go through down here because down here ain't home. And when God took Paul to heaven, he took him there with his eyes closed. Ah, come with me. Let, let, let's check this out. When God took him up to the third heaven, God took him there with his eyes closed. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Paul said, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Stop and pause. The church at Corinth was a church that he planted. And he stayed there for many months, discipling leaders and getting this church formed. When he left that church, False leaders crept in and they called themselves apostles when God did not call them or make them apostles. And not only did they call themselves apostles, they also spoke against Paul, God's true apostle, putting him down. So Paul said, uh, I'm now coming to visions and revelations because I've got to prove to this church that I am who I say I am. And one of the ways you know an apostle is based on the visions that the apostle would receive. And throughout his life, Paul received many visions and revelations from the Lord. On the road to Damascus as an unbeliever, he was going there to capture Christians. And the Bible says that on that road, God captured him. And a light shone from heaven so bright that it knocked him down. He heard a voice saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
So the first vision, the first revelation that Paul had was he saw Jesus. He said over in 1 Corinthians 9, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord? But on the day he saw the Lord, because of the radiance of Jesus' glory, he went blind. He saw this light, the glory of Jesus, and he went blind for three days. So his first vision, he saw Jesus. The next vision he got was Jesus told him, a man named Ananias is coming to lay his hands on you that you may get your sight back. So he has several visions from God in his ministry, but none like the one we're about to read here today. He says in verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Oh, Paul is about to get caught up about being caught up. He says, I was caught up. He says it again in verse 3, verse 4. He says, he was caught up into paradise. Now, the word caught up is a Greek word that is harpazo. It means to snatch away. It's the same root used in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, when Paul said that, we will not all sleep. Some of us will be raptured or we will be caught away. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And what he's going through here in this experience is just a type or a picture, a symbol of the rapture or the snatching away of the church that can happen at any time. We'll talk about that at another time in this series. But Paul says, I was caught up I don't know whether I was in my body when I went up there or whether I was out of my body. God knows. But I was caught up into paradise. And here it is in verse 4. And I heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So when he got caught up, he did not say, I saw inexpressible things. He said, I heard inexpressible words. So when God took him to heaven, for whatever reason, God did not allow him to see the things there. He let John, the apostle, see the things of heaven in the book of Revelation. The Lord told him, write, write down what you see. But with Paul, Paul was not able to see in this instance. He was only able to hear. Now, when you look at the first time he met Jesus, after he saw him, he went blind, and he had to listen to the Lord talk to him. So this is not unfamiliar territory with Paul of being blinded and communicating with God. So he goes to heaven, and he is hearing inexpressible words. And my question is, what could Paul have possibly heard? What did he hear? Because whatever he heard, he did not write about it. Matter of fact, he didn't even talk about it. It happened 14 years ago. He never said anything about it to anybody because he probably said, if I told you what I heard, you probably wouldn't believe me anyway. But now he's at a place where he's got to pull his resume because people are doubting his authenticity as an apostle of God. And he's saying to these false apostles 
who've taken over this church, I'm here to let you know I've had an experience that I know y'all haven't had. I've had an experience that sets me apart as God's apostle. I went up to heaven and I heard things that I can't even talk about. And my sanctified, curious imagination says, what could Paul have possibly heard? Well, we cannot know for certain because he doesn't tell us. But the book of Revelation helps us out to consider what he may have heard. Not saw, but heard. Now, whatever Paul heard when he went up to the third heaven, listen to this strong tower, it was loud. It was loud, just like my preaching sometimes. It's loud. We like to project because the Bible says that the word loud appears 22 times in the book of Revelation. And the words loud voice appears 21 times in the book of Revelation. So one thing we know about heaven is that it's loud. So for those of you who may struggle with loud worship services, you better get ready because heaven is loud. As a matter of fact, there's this one segment in the book of Revelation where all of the noise stops in heaven for a space of about 30 minutes and there's silence in heaven. Other than that, heaven is a loud place with loud voices. So one thing we know he heard He heard loudness. He heard loud voices. But here's what I got to ask myself. What if Paul heard the voice of Jesus like he never heard the voice of Jesus before? Now, he heard the voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was blind. He later heard the voice of Jesus when he was in Corinth, and he was afraid. And the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, do not be afraid. I've given you many people in this city Go forward and preach. He heard the Lord talk to him when he was on a boat heading towards Rome. And the Bible says an angel from God came and said to Paul, y'all are not going to die. You're going to make it through this storm and get to Rome. So he's heard the Lord speak. He's heard even angels speak. But I just wonder if he heard the Lord speak in a tone that he had never heard before in all of his visions. What do you mean by that? Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 says, John, he writes and says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And so John says, I heard a voice and it was behind me and this voice was loud like a trumpet. And the Bible says when he turned around to see who was speaking to him, the Bible goes on to say in Revelation chapter 1, he saw an image of one as the son of man, standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and holding seven stars in his hand. Oh, I don't have time to break all that down to you, but what John saw was Jesus. 
Now, while he has his back towards the Lord and he hears this voice like a trumpet, a man who walked with Jesus, who knew the voice of Jesus because he was an apostle for three and a half years, apparently Jesus' voice sounded different in heaven than it did on earth because he didn't know who it was speaking with that kind of voice, a voice like a trumpet. And what this is is anthropomorphic language trying to explain God in human terms. That's what anthropomorphism is. I'm trying to explain God with human terms. God has a voice like a trumpet. I turn around and it's Jesus. And suppose Paul heard Jesus talking to him or hearing Jesus speak in heaven with a voice that didn't sound like the voice that he heard in other visions on earth. And this voice sounded like a trumpet. Now, my friend Daryl Varner is here today. Used to go to Strong Tower many years ago. Moved into Birmingham, Alabama, and he's back visiting this Sunday with his new bride of one year, and this brother was a saxophone player. Now, he was a saxophone player, but we also had another saxophone player at the church when he was here, and that was some guy named Kirk Whalum, not too famous, you know, but, but, but man, Kirk Whalum, and Kirk gave Daryl one of his horns, and Daryl plays that horn. Matter of fact, the horn is out in the car right now because he didn't know if I would say, Daryl, go get your horn and come play something for it. And so this horn, and back in the days of antiquity, the trumpet was used because you say, why did he say the Lord's voice was like a trumpet? Again, this is a metaphor here, and it's to say that in those days when they would blow the trumpet, the trumpet would speak of it's time to go into battle. So the trumpet was equated with fighting or even in some cases hunting. In those days, a trumpet could not only be something you blow to give a sound phonetically, but they would also use it as a megaphone. And the early uh, folks that walked the earth believed that when a person spoke through that trumpet, it could ward off evil spirits. So watch this now. Jesus, the Lord God who's strong and mighty in battle, has the voice of a trumpet basically saying in the book of Revelation, y'all better get ready because there's a fight that's about to go down. And it's not only a fight that's about to go down, it's a victory that's about to go down because the playing of the trumpet would also symbolize victory. What does all of that mean? Jesus is the triumphant one in the book of Revelation, and his voice is the voice of victory and power and battle and might. And John heard that, and he fell down as if he was dead. And Jesus comes and puts his hand on him, and he says, don't be afraid, because I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And what if Paul heard a voice of Jesus like that? That he never, he said, man, I can't even explain that. Well, what if Paul heard angels like he never heard them before? I mean, on a boat he heard an angel, but what if he went to heaven and heard angels' voices? I know Chris Tomlin wrote this song. He's the God of 10,000 angel armies. But what if he heard angels? Listen to Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and 
the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000s of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And I looked and I heard an angel. No, no, that's the next one. That's not, I was going on too far. Uh, uh, worthy is the lamb who was slain, verse 12, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and glory. So, so, so the angels in heaven are worshiping and they're giving God glory. What did that sound like? I mean, if I hear a choir of men singing, I'm blessed and impressed when I hear brothers sing. What about thousands upon thousands of angels? Now, don't sleep on the angels because the Bible even says in the book of Revelation that there are angels who have voices that sound like thunder. There are angels who have voices that sound like trumpets as well. There are angels in heaven who have voices, Revelation 10, 11, that sound like a lion's roar. So Paul is hearing things that he's never heard before and is shaking him to the root. Revelation 8, 13, listen to this. And I looked and I heard. Let me hear the church say heard. What'd you hear? An angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice. And he, he's going to say, whoa, whoa, to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So John says, I looked and I heard an angel flying. Now, if you're going to hear something flying, that means it's flying very fast. Let me add this to it too. This may have been an angelic sonic boom. What is a sonic boom? A sonic boom is the sound associated with shock waves whenever an object is traveling through the air faster than the speed of sound. So you can hear it before you even see it sometimes. You hear a boom. And in order to hear an angel flying, whether you hear its wings flapping, it's moving for you to hear it. And so perhaps Paul heard angels flying in heaven and worshiping in heaven. We don't know for sure. We're just wondering. But thirdly, what if Paul heard praise and worship like he had never heard praise and worship before? Remember, he's caught up to the third heaven and there's worship in heaven. Not only by the angels, but by the redeemed of the Lord. And he's hearing people sing songs that he's never heard sang before. And he's hearing languages spoken that he's never heard spoken before. Because the Lord has purchased men for God from every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue. So in heaven, yes, there will be a universal language that we will all speak. But also in heaven, we see that we will also worship God in our native tongues as well. And so Paul is hearing all of this noise, all of this loud praise and worship. Look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. John says, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, 
people and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a what voice? Loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So he's hearing people worship, not by the hundreds or the thousands or the tens of thousands. He's hearing people worship by the millions. And they're worshiping the Lord. They're worshiping the Lamb of God. And I bet when he hears that singing, I've never heard anything. This is out of this world. Revelation 19 verse 1 says that in heaven, the redeemed say, Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power be unto the Lord. Hallelujah. It has been referred to as the highest praise because the people of God are saying hallelujah in the highest praise. Heaven, the third heaven. And they're giving God glory, saying hallelujah. And when Paul is up there, what if Paul not only heard music and singing, but what if he heard dancing? You said, now, Pastor, hold on now. You got to see dancing. You can't hear dancing. Can I remind you of a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15? about the son who went away. We call it the prodigal son. And when he came back, his father not only gave him a new ring and killed the fatted calf and put a new robe on him, but the Bible says they had a party in the house. And when the older brother walked up to the house, and this is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 25, the Bible says he heard music and dancing. You know some folk are dancing if you can hear them dancing. Pastor, what you talking about? Well, let me take you back to your past before you got born again. Some of us went to house parties. Some of us went to the club. And when we would go to those parties and even go down the Soul Train line, when we would dance, we would make noises like, ooh, ooh. Because when you're having a party and you're dancing, you're making noises as you dance. Heaven is not boring. It is a party. Matter of fact, the Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner is converted. There's rejoicing in heaven. So Paul may have not only heard the music and the singing, but he may have heard us dancing and celebrating around the throne of God. Now, let me ask you this question. Does your worship now reflect the way you will worship then? Well, I'm conservative. It doesn't take all of that. Well, you don't want to go to heaven then because it's going to be loud. Hands are going to be lifted. And if you don't like worshiping with people who are different from you, you're really going to have trouble in heaven. You may not make it there if you hold on to that frame of reference. 
Because if you can't love your neighbor down here, don't think you're going to worship next to people up there from different countries. But does your worship now, do you sing with a vibrant spirit? Do you lift your hands to God? If the spirit says dance, if the spirit says rejoice, because I've heard it said that what we go through down here is just a dress rehearsal for what we're going to do up there. Act like where you're going. Worship like where you're going. It's about the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and giving him all the glory. What if God took Paul into eternity future and said, um, Paul, I know you done heard some singing, but I want you to hear this new person that's just come up here named Aretha. I, I, I want you to hear her sing a song. What if Paul heard Aretha sing? Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor, hold on, you're tripping now. Well, let's keep on going. Revelation 15, verses 3 through 4, says that in heaven, we will sing the song of Moses. And you can look it up in Deuteronomy to find out that what's being sung in heaven was once sang on earth. So if some of Moses' songs are going to make it up there, why can't Aretha's version of Amazing Grace make it up there? Why can't Bill Gaither's songs make it up there? Why can't Andre Crouch's songs make it up there? I mean, if they're good here, can't they be good there? Why can't Kirk Franklin's songs make it there? The, the songs of David are going to be sang, the songs of Moses. Why not some of the contemporary folks whose songs got us through? Why can't we sing when we get there? What if Paul heard prayers like he'd never heard before? Again, he's hearing stuff that man, I can't even explain what I'm hearing. Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 4, talks about prayer. It says, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So all these prayers are coming up before God. And even if you read Revelation in this context, those prayers may even speak of the prayers of the martyrs who are on the earth during the tribulation period, that their prayers are not only being heard by God, but they're so precious to him that he stores them in a golden jar, a golden bowl. And then the lid is lifted, and the prayers come up before God like incense. And what if Paul heard all of those prayers in all of those languages from all of those needs? I mean, in Nashville, there are over 120 languages in our school system alone. So if he's hearing all these languages and all these prayers, all the, 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 the heart's burden, crying out to God, saying, Lord, where are you? Remember us. Lord, is now the time. And he's hearing all of this, and he's being impacted by what he is hearing. Oh, my God. But finally, what if Paul heard animal noises? like he never heard before. Remember, he's hearing things, I can't even express it to you, so I won't. But what if he heard animal noises? Somebody's like, wait a minute, Pastor, animals aren't in heaven. Yes, they are. 
Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Horses are in heaven. Let me keep reading. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And the armies, excuse me, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Verse 14. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, this is speaking of us, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Remember, the Jews missed Jesus the first time because he came into Jerusalem, not on a white horse, but on a donkey. Because he came the first time as a lamb to be slain to give salvation to all who will trust him. But he said he was coming back again. And when he comes back again, not riding on a donkey, but riding on a white horse as a conqueror who's mighty in battle. And he will destroy the Antichrist and all his armies with the sword that comes out of his mouth. And as he comes back on a white horse triumphantly, his army who were just at the marriage supper of the Lamb, will get on horses and follow behind him as the army of the Lord. And we are an army without weapons because the Lord is the weapon. He is the word of God. And the God who spoke the world into existence is going to speak death and destruction on his enemies. And not only is he on a horse, but we're on horses. So if you've never ridden a horse and you are a believer in the Lord, you're going to ride a horse one day. Now, if there are horses in heaven for each believer to sit on, that means that there are millions upon millions of horses in heaven, all of them white. What do the stalls of horses sound like? He's hearing horses over and over. And so now my next question is, okay, you hear horses, but can horses fly? The ones in heaven can. How do you get down from heaven to earth on a horse unless the horse flies? I know y'all are deep. Y'all are deep. You ain't ever thought that before. But I'm simple, and I think this way. There was no road from heaven to earth that they trod it down. These horses can fly and they can do it without wings. They're not unicorns. So not only are you going to be in heaven, which is what we rejoice about, that our names are written in heaven, not even that we have power over unclean spirits to cast them out. No, we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. So not only are we in heaven, clothed in white, in the Lord's army, riding behind him without weapons, on horses, but we're riding on horses that fly. That's amazing to me. Okay, okay. I know somebody's going to ask this question. Okay, Pat, you, you just said animals in heaven. Horses are in heaven. Do dogs go to heaven, Pastor? Do, do dogs go to heaven, Pastor? You know. That's what they say. Disney said that, right? All dogs. 
Let me put it to you this way. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. And he gives us things for our enjoyment. And some of us have pets who minister enjoyment to us. Now, you have a cat, you have a dog, some of you even have horses. If God is going to give you these things now to give you enjoyment in life, why do you think he won't give you those things in heaven? So will animals be in heaven? I believe they will be. We see horses are there. So why can't dogs be? Why can't cats be there? Now, I don't, I'm not saying today. I got a dog named Lulu. Lulu is old. Lulu gets slower every day. And I told her, I said, Lou, it's going to be a sad day when you die. I can go back to normal when you die. But I'm not saying that God's going to resurrect Lulu and take Lulu to heaven. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, now that I've become a dog lover, that I'll be in heaven enjoying Jesus, riding my horse, and also enjoying dogs. That's all I'm saying today. Why not? Why not? Even though Paul could only hear and not see while he was in heaven, he knew that where he was going was better than where he was. And knowing where he was going gave him grace to deal with where he was in his current dilemma. He couldn't see it, but he could hear it. And what he heard gave him so much hope that he could walk with grace through the pain that he was experiencing in life. Why do we need to hear teaching about heaven? Because it keeps things in perspective. The better perspective I have of heaven, the better perspective I have of things here on the earth. This stuff is temporary. That stuff is eternal. And nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So heaven ought to encourage us because where we are can't hold a candle on where we're going. Man, in uh, 1993, Darina and I moved from Nashville into Franklin. I just accepted a job with Christ Community Church, and it was important for me to live in the community of Franklin. So we moved from one apartment to another apartment. And that same year is when my son Dante was born. And when we moved into this new apartment in Franklin, this apartment was next to a cemetery. It was next to a graveyard. I really didn't think too much about it, but I was like, man, where I am right now is better than where I was when we were living in Hickory Woods apartment. Well, hopefully nobody lives there. But when we lived <laughs> on Bell Road, old Hickory. And we moved. And we lived in that apartment, two-bedroom apartment by the cemetery for three years. Dante was born to us in that apartment, and Krista were born, was born while we were in that apartment. Uh, and when we got ready to buy a house, it was time to move from the apartment and get a house. We enlisted the services of a real estate agent. 
And the first real estate agent we got, he was not a good real estate agent at all. I won't go into the details of that, but he was horrible. I had a friend of mine tell me, you're dissatisfied with your real estate agent? Man, I've got the perfect real estate agent for you. And he introduced me to Paul Revere. And Paul Revere took Darina and I out looking at homes throughout Franklin. And we settled on one 1918 Red Bud Court. And we ended up buying our first house. And I remember that once we got the approval with the bank and that the uh, a buyer had accepted our contract and our offer, and there was like this space of 30 days to get out of our apartment and go to the house. You could not wipe the smile off of my face. I told you I was living next to a cemetery. I was ready to go. And the thing that kept me while I was waiting to go, as I had to deal with leaks in the apartment, as I had to deal with all four of us living in a cramped space, I knew that where I was going was better than where I was. And where I was, it was good, it was okay, but where I was going was better. I just want to let you know, it may be a little tough right now. You may feel like not only you're living next to a cemetery, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But you don't need to fear God is with you. But keep in mind, where he's taking you is better than where you are right now. So don't let where you are right now dictate and rob and steal the joy of your life because God has something far better in store for you. Let's stand.